welcome to the Becoming Italian podcast. My name is Caleb, and along with my co-host Ben, we'll attempt to demystify the process of obtaining Italian citizenship recognition, Yure Sanguinis. As always, our normal disclaimer applies. Uh, ben and I are not lawyers or experts. We're just experienced amateurs hoping to provide some guidance for people attempting to go through the Yore Sanguinis citizenship recognition process. Be sure to consult your own lawyers, advisors, or experts before you make any decisions based on the information contained here. In this episode, we try something new and host a guest. Her name is Bryn, and she shares some great insights on living and traveling in Italy, as well as applying for Italian citizenship recognition at the Miami consulate. Uh, we hope you enjoy this new format. Uh, we plan to do some more interviews in the future. We'll also be hosting uh, experts in the Italian citizenship recognition process, uh, perhaps lawyers, service providers, or just independent consultants in the future. So without further ado, please enjoy this interview with Bryn. So I'm here with uh, my co-host Ben, as usual, and then today we have uh, Bryn on. This is actually our first uh, episode with a guest, and uh, Bryn applied for Italian citizenship, Yodi uh, Sanguinis, a while ago, and she's going to share a little bit about her story and uh, some tips she has for applying and things like that. To get started, Bryn, why don't you tell us a little bit about, um, you know, maybe maybe your Italian ancestry, where your family's from, um, you know, and your, your story a little bit, and then we can get into some of the specifics. Okay. So I have um, two grandparents who can trace their lineage back to Italy. Um, my grandfather's side is from Sicily, a small town in the region of Messina, and it's called Medi. Um, and then my grandmother's side, they are from Abruzzo, and they're from a small town called Sant'Eusanio del Sangro. Um, and that is about, well, both both towns are about 20 minutes car ride from a major city in the respective regions. Excellent. And uh, which, which uh, ancestor did you end up applying through? So I decided to go through um, my grandfather's uh, father. And that is because I didn't want to run into any problems with um, Italian women not being able to pass down citizenship. It was kind of unclear um, when I decided to start this process of um, exactly how that worked. Um, but I figured if I just go through the male line all the way back, then I would be okay. Um, so I decided to go through the um, Sicilian side of the family. Um, and that ended up being a, a easier case to prove because on the Abruzzese side, my grandmother's name was changed after she was born. Um, they put one name on her birth certificate and then all of her um, records going forward after that were another name. And we think that is because when she started school in the United States, they wanted to make her name easier to say. And so instead of being Berenicia, they changed her name to Beatrice. Um, and so changing all those certificates was going to be a lot more challenging than trying to find all of the certificates to trace my lineage back to the Italian um, family from Sicily. Right. Yeah, I know that was super common back in the day for Italians to sort of Americanize their names and 
Um, for anyone listening who's in that situation, it's not an insurmountable obstacle, but it does require, uh, you know, sort of more work to change documents or get things amended and things like that. And, and also for anyone listening who um, has a female relative or ancestor, um, it is also possible to apply through that line, but it is a lot harder as well. That would require, I think, a court case in Italy to actually make that happen. Um, so Bryn, when you, uh, decided to apply for Italian citizenship, how did you, how did you learn that you were eligible and, uh, why did you decide to apply? So I actually spent about a year living and, um, working and studying in Italy, um, a year after college and I was meeting, um, Argentinians well, a lot of Argentinians that had Italian ancestry and they were claiming citizenship. And I had a Spanish friend that was very um, adamant that I too qualified. Um, but at the time, I didn't know how to um, how to go about getting citizenship because finding all of the necessary documents just seemed like something that would be impossible to do. Um but I've been friends with that Spanish friend for um, this whole time, for 20 years, and she still was insisting that I qualified to be an Italian citizen and that I should look into it. So it was about two years ago, um, I had gotten to a point in my life where I had um, I'd realized that what I've been doing for work, I could do anywhere because all of my work had been online. Um, and I have, I still am in contact with family in Sicily and I had been going back to Sicily on a semi-regular basis to go see them. And I had such a wonderful time when I was there. I think it's probably one of the most beautiful places that I've been and I've traveled quite a bit. And I thought, well, could, I thought that I could probably set up a business so I could live there and travel more easily and explore this country that my grandparents would talk about and this culture that my mom um, raised me thinking that it was such a wonderful place and everything with Italian was, was um, so beautiful and, and interesting. Um, and so I, I started looking into it and I found a website. Um, let me see if I can find what the website is called. Um, there's this one website when I Googled if I was eligible to be Italian, um, it had a, um, a quiz like on their, on their homepage. And so I took the quiz to see if I was eligible and I was, um, so that website is called my Italian citizenship. And I actually went through that service to get my Italian documents that I needed. And then they also, um, put me in contact when I was ready for a translator, they put me in contact with a translator that I ended up using, and that was an excellent choice as well. Excellent. And you you applied uh, through Miami, right? Yeah. So I was on the fence of whether or not to apply through a comune in Italy or um, to apply in Miami. And after hearing what both of your experiences were applying in uh, or trying to apply in Italy. I'm so glad I decided to apply through Miami. Yeah, I think that was probably uh, a wise choice. As, as you know, we both ended up um, applying through consulates as well, instead of in Italy itself. Um, so tell me more about the process in Miami. How did you, so you, you used uh, myitaliancitizenship.com 
to collect your documents and for translations. Um, what did the process of getting an appointment look like and how did that go once you, once you had the appointment and uh, what kind of tips would you have for people applying in Miami? Okay. So I decided to get all of my documents first. And then once I had the documents, then I decided to make the appointment in Miami. Um, if I were to do it again, I would have first made the appointment on the online system and then gone through to collect all of my documents. That's because Miami's average wait time is about a year and a half. Um, so I, um, when I made that appointment after I collected all my documents and I still had to wait a year and a half, I wasn't happy with having to wait that long. So I started Googling um, different solutions of how to get a last minute appointment in Miami. And I can't remember where I first saw it. It was probably in this tap top group for um, people applying uh, for Jody Sanguini's uh, citizenship is that someone said that if you go onto the appointment website every every day at noon in Rome, I'm sorry, at midnight in Rome, then that's when they update the appointments. And so that's what I started doing. Um, I set an alarm on my phone uh, to go off every weekday at midnight in Rome. And I was able to get an appointment um, that I could go to in Miami within probably about two weeks. I noticed that most of the appointments that um, that were coming available, I think, were on a Monday. And I remember that because I couldn't go on a Monday because I had something to do um, every Monday. But then I was able to get an appointment after looking for two weeks on a Friday. Um, so that was something that I could do. Um, and then something else that I, that I noticed is, oh, yeah. So those appointments are available because um, when you make an appointment at the consulate, you have to confirm the appointment. I think it's three days before you actually um, are supposed to be there. And so people will make these appointments a year and a half in advance and then life happens and they can't come to them. So they don't confirm their appointments and that's why these last minutes appointments are available. Excellent. That's a great tip. Um, I, when I got a San Francisco appointment, I didn't end up applying through San Francisco, but I did get an appointment there at one point. And I was surprised that even two years out, uh, the appointments would fill up instantly. And the, the website would like almost crash every night at midnight Italian time, like you mentioned. Um, so I think San Francisco might be a little more competitive than Miami potentially. Uh, but I was able to eventually get an appointment by just trying over and over. Sounds like kind of what you did. I set an alarm. I would log on there, uh, you know, every every day right before midnight Italian time, um, try to get an appointment. Now, Ben, I think for you, getting an appointment in Detroit was a bit easier, right? Yeah, I got two the same week. Um, literally actually missed one. And the next day scheduled and picked up another one the following day. Um, what I was going to say, though, is it's it's kind of funny how uh, to hear someone else kind of speak about how they had to book uh, that appointment because I had heard you talk about it. And that's just so foreign to me. 
you know, it was, it was, for me, it was really simple. Like it was the complete opposite of Italy. Actually. I just came home and walked into the consulate basically. Uh, it, it's still kind of odd to hear, um, Brent having gone through where you have to wait a year and a half to get into there. I just, I couldn't imagine that. I'd still probably not even have my citizenship if that was the case. Like I'd just be, you know, stuck. So I think it depends on what the population is for the local consulate. Um, and I think it also depends on how many resources they allocate to um, this type of request. I am not sure that this is what the Miami consulate is doing, but I think that they might only have like one appointment, maybe one or two um, Jody Sanguini's appointments a day that they make available. Um, and I think that because I try, I was so excited to actually have gotten an appointment and be at the consulate that I probably talked to everybody that was there, um, that was doing something, um, at the consulate requesting some kind of paperwork. And I was the only one applying for Judy Sanguinis. So I think they, um, they're just limiting how many appointments can go through every day. Um, and then something else that I think was different from my um, my experience than what I've heard you describe your experience in Detroit, Ben, is that my entire appointment was in Italian at the Miami consulate. Um, they, the consular officer, he first spoke to me in English. He said, good morning. And then before I had a chance to respond, he said, buongiorno. And so from, and I just, I like to use my Italian when I have the opportunity to. So the entire, um, the entire hour long conversation was in Italian. Um, and I think that I don't, so I've heard you guys talk on the podcast in previous episodes that, um, they are um, making moves to require um, Judy Sanguini's applicants to know a certain level of Italian as, as well, um, but it hasn't passed yet. I think that the consular officer was trying to see um, if I could hold a conversation in Italian to see if I should be a citizen or not. And because I was able to hold an hour-long conversation with him in Italian, um, when he said to me at the end of the appointment that I would have to mail in certain documents, he gave me the option to just mail them in and he didn't tell me that I'd have to make another appointment. So I don't know this, but I'm thinking that might've been a nicety that he granted me because I speak fluent Italian. Um, and I'm saying that because I realize in talking with people on social media groups and listening to you guys that he didn't have to allow me to send in the documents. He could have said that I have to make another appointment and, and sent me away. You know, and this is something, Caleb, and I know pretty well, uh, and we've talked about a lot. Um, if you didn't speak Italian in Italy, they, they looked at you like you're, you're a second class citizen. You know, you, you don't belong for lack of a better term. And there were people that had much worse functional Italian than I did. And I mean, they couldn't even get in. So we've both discussed, and I think you're, you're saying the same thing, but um, I, I'm pretty sure at some point they're just going to require everybody to speak Italian. Uh, you have to have a functional level of Italian to, to go through this process. 
Um, and I don't think there's anything wrong with that either. Uh, I just, I, I suspect that's the coming change. And that's how they weed out a lot of the, the sort of second passport holders, as opposed to those who, you know, want to be Italian and want to involve themselves in Italian life. Yeah, and my experience um, being Italian-American and speaking Italian in Italy is so embracing. When they hear me speak Italian, they're so interested in where I'm from. And then I explained that my grandfather started teaching it to me when I was little. They, um, they're very embracing. They're like, oh, you're Italian. Um, they're like, say Italiana. And I, I don't say I'm Italian because I'm American. But um, I have had such warm experiences in Italy when I speak good Italian to them. Um, and I think you're right, Ben, that they're moving toward some kind of language requirements. Um, so I, if I, as I understand now, if you are claiming citizenship, not through Jodi Sanguinis, but through marriage, or I guess through naturalization, um, they are currently requiring a B1 level. Um, so B1 is actually beginner intermediate level. Um, so if you think of, um, learning a language that A1 and A2, are you be able to understand what people are saying? Um, but you can't speak back and really explain yourself. B1 level is being able to, um, defend yourself spoken in most situations, but not at a very, um, not an advanced level at all, but it's beginner intermediate. And I can speak to that because um, what I have about five years of experience is teaching languages. And I was a language teacher trainer for a couple of years. Interesting. Um, tell us a little bit more about the conversation you had at the consulate. Um, Cause I would imagine they probably go through more or less the same things with most people, um, albeit maybe not in Italian for many applicants. Uh, what kind of things did they ask you? What kind of things did you discuss? Um, is there anything that stands out that people should be prepared for or maybe think about before they go in for their appointment? Yeah, so I had no idea what to expect once I got to the appointment. And as I said, the consular officer just said to me, buongiorno. And then he said, um, what are you here for? And I told him, and he didn't say anything. <laughs> so I was like, okay, how do we start? And he's like, well, let's start with your original Italian um, Italian ancestor. And so um, he first asked for his birth certificate, um, just in the order of his life happened. So his birth certificate, his marriage certificate, and then his immigration papers, and then, um, and then his death certificate. Um, so my, the, the issue... Well, a couple issues. Um, one issue that I had was that the paperwork that I got from USCIS, is it USCIS, um, for, for my grandfather, my great grandfather's immigration papers, they were illegible. Um, so I had been, it had been recommended to me that I contact the state of Pennsylvania where he first immigrated to and contact their naturalization department to get a better copy. And so that's what I did. Um, and I'm so glad that I did that because um, the consular officer, when I first gave him the, um, the federal copy of the immigration papers, um, 
he was looking through them and they were basically um, blank documents that had been aged over, over years. And you could only see one year, like on, on seven pieces of paper that the USCIS had given me, there was only one document that you could read. And it was the year in which he became a citizen. So I could prove um, just from that, that he became a citizen after my grandfather was born. Um, but I could tell that the consular officer was about to challenge the, um, the paperwork. And so I quickly gave him the other packet and I explained that it was the same documentation. You could just read the second packet that was from the state and not the, the, the federal government. And, um, and he seemed to, well, he was happy with that. And so, um, we went on with that. So um, one other issue that I ran into is that my grandfather, so for some reason, I don't know why they decided to change the last name from Bonina to Bonino, but they did. Um, and so by the time my grandfather was born, um, his, my, my grandfather was born as his last name being Bonino. But then my great-grandfather's last name was Bonina. Um, and so that was one issue that I had. Another issue was that the my, my grandfather's birth certificate, um, which came from Pennsylvania, it had typos on how both of my Italian great-grandparents, how their names were written on his birth certificate. So my grandfather's name was correct, but his parents' names were incorrect. Um, and it said where his parents were from on, on his birth certificate, but they didn't even write Italy correctly. They just wrote Ital. It was like, they were just, I don't, they, they were just seemed very careless. Um, and so honestly, I think that's how these name changes happen. Um, when I was growing up, I was always told that our name was changed when they got at, when they got to Ellis Island. But the immigration paperwork still showed my great-grandfather's name as Stefano Bonina. But by the time my grandfather was born, um, the last name was changed to Bonino. And so um, those are two issues that I had to deal with that the consular officer um, brought up. Um, so my first phone call after my appointment um, was to a lawyer in Pennsylvania that I'd already spoken with. And I needed to call a lawyer because in order to change a birth certificate in the state of Pennsylvania after someone has already passed away, you need a court order. And you can't do a court order unless you hire a lawyer. Um, so the the main issue that I had, according to the consular officer, was that I needed to correct those um, those typos on my grandfather's birth certificate. Um, and so that's why I called the lawyer. But then he also, the consular officer also made other comments, um, like the last name was changed from Bonina to Bonino. So I had been able to change all of my grandfather's um, and my great-grandfather's um, certificates that were coming from the state of New Jersey um, because the the family originally immigrated to the state of Pennsylvania. But then when my grandmother, I'm sorry, 
when my grandfather was about 10 years old, they moved to New Jersey and that's where the family stayed until I was born. Um, and so luckily it's so much easier to change a certificate in the state of New Jersey. All you have to do is fill out a form that you find online and then you mail in the form in a $25 check and they change it for you. Um, so in Pennsylvania though, I had to hire a lawyer, um, and then they had to bring a court or, well, they had to go to the court to get a court order. And then once the judge of the county where my grandfather was born, once that judge said that, yes, this birth certificate should be updated, then they sent a order to the vital records of the state of Pennsylvania to issue a new birth certificate. Um, and so the law firm that I decided to go through is um, Tibbet and Richardson. And they, I probably called about five lawyers that were recommended to me in, in Pennsylvania because I wanted to try to get the best price possible. And I wanted to um, get this court order through as quickly as possible. And they were the only law firm that would call me back and that would quote me a price. Um, but I am glad that I decided to go with them because um, they're very responsive to me. And they, um, they filed the paperwork within a week of me contacting them or less than a week of me contacting them. And then they would follow up with me every couple of weeks to tell me what was going on with my case. And then to actually get the court order took just under two months. Um, and I still don't have my grandfather's updated birth certificate. Um, but um, I got the call, I think last Thursday from the law office that they received the court order and that they'd already sent it into vital records. And then the other issue that I had was that um, the last name changed from Bonina to Bonino. Um, and like I said, I'd already had um, several certificates, um, so marriage, death, marriage and death certificates, that I was able to change um, my grandfather's name, or my, I'm sorry, my great-grandfather's name from Stephen Bonino to Stefano Bonina, which is what um, his birth certificate says. Um, but then there was this one um, certificate from the state of Pennsylvania that um, I couldn't just change um, the last name from Bonina to Bonino. I had to get the court order. Um, but this law firm added on for free to me a one in the same certificate. Um, so that was what was recommended to me. Um, and again, the, the tap talk group that I joined that um, if somebody changed their name um, once they came to the U.S. and it wasn't possible to change all of the certificates back, that you get a one in the same order. So my plan is to um, is once I get this new birth certificate, and then once I get the um, the one in the same affidavit that I'm going to send them to um, the translator again. And he's really good. I think it's called, the company is called Fast Italian Translation. And um, he is really fast. He turns around the documents in 24 hours. Um, and so once I get that, I'll, I'll send everything to the Miami consulate. 
Um, and then there was one other issue that the consular officer brought up. Um, so my grandmother's um, last name uh, originally coming from Italy was Di Francesco. But as um, they stayed in the United States longer, the name changed to De Francesco, so D-E to D-I. Um, so on some of her certificates, it's spelled, her last name is spelled, no, I'm sorry. On So you'll see my grandmother's um, maiden name on her marriage certificate and also on my mom's, um, on my mom's birth certificate as well. And so the consular officer, um, he noticed the spelling change of my grandmother's last name. And I didn't think it would be an issue because she married into the family. Um, and I'm not claiming, I'm not claiming Italian citizenship through her family. Um, and I said that to the consular officer and he said something back to the effect that, well, if her last name is spelled differently, how do I know it's the same woman? Um, so it was still Beatrice Di Francisco, but the D-E and the D-I was spelled differently. Um, and so I don't think that is anything that they can reject me on. Um, but the consular officer brought that up. And so I've decided to fix that paperwork as well. But in order to change that, I needed to get my Abruzzese um, great-grandparents, I needed to get their marriage certificate from Abruzzo. And that is taking a lot longer to get. Um, so I went back to the um, My Italian Citizenship website and I ordered those, um, I ordered those certificates but then, so that website, they will do their job well and they will get you the certificates. But if you send them an email asking like what's going on and how much longer um, you should wait, they won't get back to you or they might get back to you. Um, and so I also found another service that is um, based in Italy. Um, it's called Visure Umbrete. And they um, are an Italian service that finds um, legal certificates um, in Italy. Um, but I have to, their, their website is, is in all Italian and I speak to them in Italian when I, when I go through them. They um, will, in the end, get their certificates probably at about the same rate that my Italian citizenship gets them. But um, they will answer my questions. <laughs> um, so to tell the truth, this um, I, I thought there was a long story in me getting all of my certificates and then getting to my appointments. But the story continues after the um, consular appointment. I had to contact a lawyer, get a court order, get a one in the same affidavit, I'm still waiting for my grandfather's updated birth certificate. And then I also am still waiting for, on my Abruzzese side, still waiting for that marriage certificate. So then I can update my grandmother's maiden last name on her marriage certificate and my mom's, 
on my mom's birth certificate and then on my grandmother's death certificate. No, I, I'm sorry. I'm trying to think of everything I need. No, just on my mom's um, birth certificate and then my um, my grandparents' marriage certificate. So I think anyone going through this process needs to be very organized. And um, I think they need to just stay calm and not expect something to happen quickly because the Italian government doesn't run quickly. Um, and as happened with me, um, I, I think the counselor officer in Miami, he generally was not that happy to talk to me. Um, I was trying to be as polite and smiley as possible. And I was doing my very best to speak in um, my best Italian. Um, but I felt like every additional question I asked, he kept getting more frustrated and more frustrated with me. Um, but I thought I was going to ask the questions because there's no other time that I was going to be able to ask questions. Because if you email the consulate, um, they don't get back to you. They say that you need to make an appointment and then ask the questions then. And then I'd also contacted my original comune in Sicily. Um, and they had said the same thing, that if I have any questions, they'd be happy to answer them, but I would need to go in in person. Right. That seems to be part of the course for any Italian government office uh, that I've interacted with that has email. Uh, it's really just a black hole. Um, no responses ever come out of there. I know, Ben, you got a few responses in Rome, I think, uh, to emails. Is that correct? So Rome is so backed up with residence applications that they actually encourage you to email them in as opposed to show up. Uh, I think I told you this before, but it's the same thing you had with Naples. Um, I went to get an appointment, uh, for a residence for the, you know, upteenth time. And because everything's closed in August, I think the appointment I got was like October 3rd. So, and it was July. So it, it's, they're like, yeah, just email it in. We'll answer you in about a week. And I did that for like the next 13 weeks. But to go back to the Comune, uh, part, um, where my family's from in Sicily, they were extremely responsive. I mean, they got back to you, you know, within a day or two. Um, I'd send out letters and they'd reply like next day. You know, it, let's say it took seven days to get there. It would get stamped into Italy. They'd get it. They'd turn it around next day. Um, so I, I, you know, actually, I guess what I was going to say is, is I kind of wonder how fortunate I've been through this process that my paperwork wasn't so overly complicated. I only had two issues I really had to deal with, uh, one of which, which I've never discussed, which is suing the city of Detroit for a birth record because they're um, Detroit. But uh, uh, the other was uh, uh, the sort of uh, birth records in Italy, which I thought was going to be a huge issue and really turned into nothing. So I, I guess I'm kind of curious how many people have uh, Bryn's uh, sort of uh, experience versus mine because Caleb it, it, I know you you hired someone to pull your documentation together uh, and I did it all on my own but I'm kind of curious how many people have had this level of problems and I wonder how many people quit the process um, because of it I wonder how many people just decide it's not worth it for whatever reason because I've got some family members that like uh, I won't share who but I got all of this person's documents for them except for one 
and was even wanting to help uh, him get the last one. And uh, he just couldn't be any less interested. So it's, 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 I'm curious. I'm generally curious about people that, that uh, are listening to this or, you know, will listen to this in the future or, you know, are currently going through this and don't know yet. But I wonder how many have a different experience than myself. And that's more similar to, uh, I guess, yours with the name change and then Bryn with the, the sort of. Yeah, I think if anything, um, you know, there's two things to keep in mind. The main one being this is a marathon, not a sprint, right? Um, anybody going through this process, I think I went in thinking I could do it in like three months, right? And, you know, it's a year or two, almost two years later, I guess, and it's still in progress. Uh, and the second is that it's highly variable depending on which government official you happen to get whether they're having a bad day or not, uh, whether you speak Italian or not, um, I'm sure makes a big difference. Uh, Brian, I imagine if you had not spoken Italian, you might've had a very different experience, uh, probably a less positive experience at the consulate. Um, so it's just, it's very variable that way. And, and you do have to be in it for the long haul. Um, you know, everybody of course has their, their own reasons for getting citizenship, uh, but it's definitely not a quick process. It's not an easy process. It's not a cheap process either. Um, Bryn, when you, I know you mentioned you had friends that, uh, you know, told you you should apply for your citizenship and things like that. But what, what really prompted you to take that step? And are you planning on living in Italy for a while or uh, is it more of a, a heritage thing for you? Yeah, so um, I do plan on living in Italy for a while. I am in the process of uh drumming up more business for, um, well, so I recently started a digital marketing consultancy. Um, and I set that up so I could, um, live anywhere, um, and, and work from anywhere. My goal is to live in Italy, um, for a while and explore the culture a lot more. I want to be able to understand, um, the culture that was passed down to my grandparents and that I know that, um, they're, they were very proud to teach me about. Um, and I, I just want to explore that more. Um, I'm also a hobbyist photographer. And so, um, my goal is to, um, to take fine art documentary photos of the cultural traditions that Italy has. Um, because what I, I'm so fascinated by with Italy is that they'll have 500 year old traditions that they still practice. Um, whereas in the U S it seems like we're constantly, um, staying current. So we, I, I don't feel like the United States preserves their, um, historical traditions, um, like Italy does. Um, but I have been well, I was in Sorrento for the, um, for the, I guess, um, processions of the, um, the processions coming from the church, um, where the, um, everyone in the procession wears all white and it is to celebrate, um, is right before Easter. Um, and to think that that is something that has been going on for uh, hundreds of years. Um, and I was able to see that. So my goal is to be able to, um, be able to make my own photos, um, showing the cultural traditions of Italy. And I know that it would take me 
several years to do that. Um, but it's a passion project that I would, I would like to do. Um, and then the reason why, the reason why I decided to go for citizenship is because in addition to wanting to explore Italy more, um, and get to know that culture more, something that has been a constant in my life is, um, is travel. Like I, my, my interests change throughout my lifetime, but the one thing that I always love doing is exploring other countries and other cultures. And just knowing that if I base myself in Italy, I would be able to travel so much more easily to all the European countries and the North African countries. Um, just, um, just being um, in that part of the world, exploring that whole part of the world would be so much easier and it would be more affordable as well. Um, I spent a month traveling in three countries in Europe this past summer. Um, and I flew from Portugal to Spain to Italy and each plane ticket cost me something like 60 euros. Um, whereas if I lived in the U S to get to, um, to get to just Rome from Austin, it would cost me, um, like on a good day, it would cost me $600, um, so that's a big difference. <laughs> yeah, EasyJet and Ryanair and, and flights like that are are unbelievably cheap to get around uh, Europe once you're there, right? So if you're based in Italy, for example, uh, you know, when I was in Naples, I was able to fly to Paris and London and a few other places for, you know, maybe 30, 40 euros round trip, something like that, um, if you buy yeah. in advance especially. Um, so it sounds like your, your family... Um, maintain their culture a bit more maybe than many Italian American families do. Um, were your, your grandparents, you mentioned started teaching you Italian. Were they, uh, were they born in Italy or born in the U S? No, they were born in the U S and I think you're right that they maintained the culture more strongly than a lot of Italian American families. I didn't realize that though, until I um, started going through this process and was kind of more um, advanced in the in the process of getting my documents. Um, that when I started talking to people in um, the Jody Sanguini's Facebook groups and the Top Top group, that I knew a lot more about my Italian family than a lot of people did. Um, so my parents are from um, a small town in southern New Jersey. That when they were growing up. Um, more than half of the town could trace their roots back to Italy. Um, so it's one of my aunts terms it as the um, the largest ethnic the largest non-known ethnic ethnic enclave. Um, and so my it's it's interesting. So my um, my grandfather had um, nine brothers and sisters, and then my grandmother had six. So my mom had, I counted one time and I, I forget how many first cousins she had, but she had something like 20 first cousins. Um, and then you think of, um, they all stayed in the same town in, in Glasgow, New Jersey, and think of how many second cousins and aunts and uncles and just um, relatives that weren't directly related, but were friends from back in, in Sicily or Abruzzo um, that she was connected to. Um, and so I think that um, that concentration of the culture allowed my uh, my great grandparents when they came from Italy allowed them to maintain their culture 
And then my grandparents born in the US, they maintained a lot of the culture as well. So when my mom was growing up, they didn't, my grandparents didn't speak Italian to her, um, but they would speak Italian around her. So I have traveled in Italy with my mom a few times and um, she understands everything she hears, but she doesn't speak Italian back. Um, so, and, but, and then also, um, just visiting various places in Southern Italy with her, she will recognize certain, I guess, cultural artifacts or just like, like we'll go into a little souvenir shop and something that I haven't seen before. Um, she will explain to me what it is, um, because she grew up in the family that she grew up in. Um, and then when we were in Sorrento, Naples, um, right before Easter, a couple years ago, she was able to explain the, um, the history of the food that they would have, the, uh, the zeppole frite. Um, she would, she was able to explain the history of it. So she, it was interesting. She would explain it to me in English. And then our Italian guide would explain the same thing to me in Italian at the same time. Um, so it is really interesting how much of the family, um, tradition was, was passed on in my family. Fascinating. And did your family, uh, did they keep in touch with the relatives in Italy, uh, when you were a child or did you have to kind of rediscover that connection uh, once you traveled back there? Yeah. So that's a really good question. Um, the way that my grandfather started teaching me Italian was through the letters of his cousins in Sicily. Um, so my family, um, I'm, I'm both sides of the Italian, of the Italian family. Um, they did never, they never lost connection. So on the Sicilian side, um, my grandfather would write his cousin Antonino, um, in Italian and then um, my cousin, well, my mom's cousin, Sam, would um, continue up the relationship. He would write Antonino's um, son, Giuseppe. Um, they would correspond with each other. And so when I was just out of college and I was um, doing an English teacher training program in Rome, my cousin, well, my mom's cousin, Sam, wrote me and told me that I should get in contact with Giuseppe in Palermo. Um, and so I went down there and, um, and I met up with them and they were the nicest people. Um, so we have maintained a relationship since I met him um, for the first time 20 years ago. Um, we've maintained that relationship. Um, and I saw them for the last time, I guess about a year ago when I was in Palermo last. And then on the Abruzzese side, um, my grandmother had a cousin that was um, closer to my mom's age. And um, he would, so the cousin Gino, um, he still lived in the small town in Sant'Eustanio de Sangro that um, the Abruzzese family is from. But he would go back and forth between um, Glasgow, New Jersey, and Santo Sanio de Sangro. Um, so he would come for like Christmas holidays, um, and I didn't like I I never um, spoke to him like I, I didn't know him very well. But I know he would come over, um, and so there would be um, those two um, 
like those two relations, but also, um, I know that my mom's cousins, um, they're just generally pretty well connected with the Italian family and with, um, all of the relatives that have come over. Fantastic. Um, and you mentioned you studied in Italy for a while, right? Where did you, where did you study? I decided um, when I was in college that I wanted to learn Italian. So I first started taking um, private lessons and I figured I could probably learn it pretty easily because I, um, well, my grandfather had started teaching it to me when I was little, but then also I was learning Spanish in school. And I got to the point um, that my Spanish was really good because I had studied in Mexico for a year in college. Um, and so I, between, um, what I already knew of Italian and then me speaking, uh, really good Spanish, I was able to understand it. Uh, I was able to understand Italian pretty well. I just, um, couldn't speak it that well. So I studied at the Università per i Stranieri in Perugia. So the University for the Foreigners in Perugia, which is a university that was founded um, for the only for the study of Italian language and culture. Um, and they offer um, a myriad of courses on learning Italian as a second language and then also on studying the culture. And that was a wonderful experience. Um, so I studied there for two months. Um, and then I decided to um, travel around a Brit. And, um, and then I enrolled in a teaching English as a second language program in Rome. And then from there, I got a job teaching English in Rome. And so I lived in Italy total for a year um, when I was two years out of college. Excellent. And you traveled around the southern parts of Italy a bit, I think uh, you mentioned as well to Sicily and such. Uh, that's something Ben and I have not done. Um, how did you How did you get around down there? Because I think we always traveled on trains and uh, occasionally city buses and things like that. Um, but I've heard that getting around like south of Naples essentially could be a bit more difficult. So did you travel around on buses there? Did you have a car or how did that uh, work out for you? Yeah, so um, I traveled quite a bit in Sicily, and I first thought it would be a good idea to travel in train, um, because being American, I was like, oh, travel by train. That's not something we can do so easily in Sicily, or we can do so easily um, in the U.S., um, and I could easily find online how to travel by train. I do not recommend that. Um my mom and I, when we were in Chafalu a couple years ago, we wanted to take the train into Palermo to visit the cousins there. And that would be, um, well, it was supposed to be a two-hour train ride, um, but the train had to stop and wait on the tracks um, for a while um, because there was another train ahead of us that had broken down on the tracks. And so we had to wait to figure out what to do. And then we had to go backwards to the previous city that we'd been in, wait for the train to get off the track. So then we could proceed on to Palermo. Um, and so that took four hours to get there instead of two. Um, and then also they sold more tickets than they had spaces um, for people to sit. So my mom, who was over 60 at the time, had to sit on the steps of the train 
Um, and then I have the option to stand the whole time or to sit on the floor. Um, so it was an interesting experience um, and definitely a cultural experience. When I, when we, when we got to um, Palermo finally, um, oh, another, another um, caveat in that story is that I didn't have a cell phone that was working in Italy um, because we were only traveling for a couple of weeks. So I didn't, I figured I didn't need to get a new SIM card, um, but I had to actually borrow someone's phone um, to call my cousin to tell him that we would be late. And when I got there, it seems like he wasn't surprised that that had happened. Um, and then the people that I talked to on the train, they, um, expressed that this, this kind of thing happened. Um, and, um, they weren't happy about it. They complained about it, but it's something that regularly happened. So that's in contrast to my experience traveling by bus in Sicily, um, I wasn't able to find very easily how to travel by bus online um, in English or in Italian um, in Sicily. But um, the way I did it was my cousin Giuseppe would call um, his friends that worked in the tourism industry and they would he would ask them what bus lines to use. Um, and that's how I knew how to get around. Um, so I first started with the recommendations that my, my cousin was able to tell me about. Um, and that's how I got on another trip from Palermo to Trapani. Um, and then I later got from um, Trapani to Agrigento um, in bus. Um, what I realized is that if you ask the people, uh, if you just ask people in Sicily, they can tell you where to get the bus. Um, and where you get the bus tickets are the tobacco. Well, it, it sounds like a tobacco stand, but they sell so many other things. Um, and I guess what they sell, like only 20% of is tobacco, but it's the tabacayo is where you go to um, ask where you get the bus, and then they can indicate to you what bus lines you need to get where you need to get to. Did you find that getting to uh, like smaller towns and, and things like that was fairly easy um, within like say Sicily and, and the southern sort of part of Italy? Or were there towns where having a car was more or less necessary? So obviously there are towns where having a car um, would be necessary to get to. Um, you can easily get buses to go around the coast of, of Sicily, but the interior of Sicily is not as um, developed. And so um, it would be very difficult to get to. Get to. Um, my experience taking a train um, in Sicily to go from, say, a larger town in Sicily to another larger town, um, to go through the center of, of the island, that was a little bit easier. Um, I didn't have problems with the train, and it went pretty quickly. But taking the train through the center of Sicily, you could see that the towns weren't very well developed, um, and there wasn't much there. And I had commented to my cousin's wife how beautiful um, – the interior of Sicily was and that I'd want to come back another time and explore it. And she said, yeah, it's beautiful, but there's not much there. I say that because it wouldn't be as easy to get a bus to go to these smaller interior towns. Um, and it's harder to get the train as well. So you would need a car to get there. 
Um, but what I would do, I would hire a driver to take me there. Um, uh, so I could have someone to kind of show me around to the smaller towns and explain to me a little bit of the history as well. Right. So some kind of a guided uh, experience, but maybe not a group tour, but more of a private guided experience. Yeah, exactly. Like on another trip, we went to the island of Lipari, um, which are the um, the islands just um, off the northern coast of Sicily on the um, on the eastern side. Um, and the taxi driver that picked us up at the port um, to bring us to our hotel, he was also a tour guide. And so we hired him like 60 euros for the day. And he brought us, just me and my mom, around um, the island of Lipari and told us of the history and brought us to all these historic sites. Um, and he would basically bring us to wherever we wanted to. Um, so I think that kind of situation is ideal. And my, um, my thought is that you can probably find something like that pretty easily um, if you start um, in a rather like a little bit larger city in Sicily, like say Marsala or Agrigento, you could probably find someone to do something like that for you. Excellent. All right. Um, we're, we're coming up on time here and I want to be sort of respectful of uh, your time as well, Bryn. Um, one other question that just sort of uh, occurred to me, how does your, how does your family in Italy view uh, you obtaining your citizenship recognition? Um, are they, I mean, I'm assuming they're probably, positive about it but have you talked to them about that or um you know sort of the nuances of, of what that entails yeah that's a really good question so um i explained to my italian family that i was eligible for citizenship and they didn't quite understand it um so they're they're supportive of me but the thought um have it was my great grandparents that came over from italy um a hundred years ago now. And then my grandparents and my, my parents and me all being born in the U S they don't quite understand how I can become a citizen. Um, when I talk to, um, my family and then other Italians, I'll explain it as me being eligible to get an Italian passport which is basically the same thing as um, becoming a, a citizen. But I think that that terminology is more um, accepted um, and, and it's understood more easily um, of, of how that can happen for some reason. Um, and so that's what I explain. Um, that's how I explain it. Um, but honestly, I don't, I don't, I've not talked a whole lot um, with my family and then other Italians that I know about my um, eligibility to get Italian citizenship. Um, generally, they are supportive of me. I think they're supportive of me um, first because I um, speak Italian, but also because I know about the culture. Um, but then um, at the... Well, they will recognize me as um, being part of the Italian diaspora. But then when the step comes to me having full um, Italian citizenship rights, 
Um, I haven't had many conversations um, with any Italian about that. And um, when the topic comes up, they don't seem like the conversation doesn't go very far either. They don't understand the Jury Sanguinis process um, or they um, they're, they're more interested in other things um, than, than talking about my eligibility to um, claim citizenship. That makes sense. It's kind of a, it's a weird concept, right? That you can kind of go back an unlimited number of generations and, and claim the citizenship um, the way that you can with Italy. That's quite unusual. Uh, I think there's only a few other countries around the world that really allow that. Most of them cap it at either parents or, you know, grandparents or something like that. So I can imagine that to an Italian, uh, if you're not familiar with the process, it would be quite strange to hear that um, in the same way that some people find it strange for example that if you're born on u.s soil you're automatically a citizen uh, when people tend to think of that as a more complex process so i think everywhere has their idiosyncrasies like that um, before we wrap up ben did you have any other questions or anything you know this is the question i think a lot of people asked me um and it, it, I, I think you already kind of know the answer just based on how invested uh you are in the culture and sort of the process based on sort of everything you're able to go through. But why do you want to be Italian? You know, that, that's, that's a question everyone gets asked, right? Like, like all my family asks me, you know, why do you want to be Italian? Because nobody else in my circle is doing this. Uh, and they don't understand it and they don't, they have their own sort of questions about it. Um, you know, so kind of what everyone's asked me, and I'm sure a lot of people are, are going to get those questions as well. What makes you want to be Italian, Bryn? I think that's a really good question. And that's something that I get asked pretty regularly as well. Um, basically, I um, the way I'll put it um, when I first answer the question is I like the idea of having another option to fall back on. If I don't like the way certain things are going in the United States, I'll have another option. Not to say that um, everything is perfect in Italy. I know a lot of Italians that want to be American, um, but that's the first um, that's the first response that I give. Also, um, my experience when I lived in Italy right after college, I um, there were several things that I liked about the country. One is that healthcare is um, is um, nationalized. So to get decent healthcare in Italy, um, you don't have to pay an arm and a leg for it like you do in the United States. Um, also, the way they um, the way they they source their food is a lot more natural. When I lived in Rome, I was able to walk down to the closest piazza to where I lived and buy fresh fruits and vegetables that had been brought in um, to Rome from the local farms that morning. Um, so me living, um, living there for a year and eating that produce for a year, when I came back to the U.S., I could taste the artificial aspects of my produce, um, even shopping at like Whole Foods or any other natural um, farmer's market. I don't know exactly what the difference is between the, the food in Italy and the, um, and the food in the U.S., but I could, you can taste the freshness of the food um, in Italy. And I think um, if you think how often we eat and that that's going into our bodies, 
I like the thought of having something a lot more natural that I can eat. I think also um, the the how loving my Italian grandparents were and the culture that they um, passed on to me, that gives such a strong pride um, in me that I think that if you're to take that away from me, I don't know who I would be. Um, and so I want to explore the Italian culture more so I can understand that aspect of my culture and I can understand better where my grandparents came from, um, what influences they had in their life, and also so I can understand myself better. And in me having Italian citizenship, I can explore that a lot more um, than if I go as a tourist um, on on vacations a couple times a year. Um, I was going to say, uh, that's pretty much a carbon copy of my answer. I don't know if we've ever discussed um, on this podcast about food. I know we've talked about it at private, uh, Caleb and I, at length. But, um, you know, after coming back to the U.S. and having been here for a year uh, this December, um, the food is much different. And even more so, just the diet and sort of how everything is sourced and it, it, it does have a different effect on you. It's, it's actually kind of really shocking. Um, that's something I guess I, I just sort of was insulated from. And I think we all are as Americans. We, you know, we, we live in sort of a, a different society and different culture around food and, uh, you know, what you're buying and what you're eating and where it's sourced. And, and Italy was entirely different. Um, you know, I just, I, I remember how fast things went bad and, and, you know, being surprised if you bought chicken, like on a Friday, it was bad Sunday. Like I just, I, I, I had never experienced it. That was just so surprising to me. Uh, and then of course, uh, vegetables and things like that. But the other part really, and I don't know, I've never had this conversation with you, Caleb, but really the biggest part of me wanting Italian citizenship is, is having a second option. Of course, a lot of it comes into travel. Like I wanted to be able to hop around Europe and I've discussed it at length uh, um, with friends and family, but uh, really it was to have a second option. And it, maybe it's not even my second option. Maybe it's my kid's second option. Maybe it's my grandkid's second option, but it's, it's, it's available. And, you know, with this process and how I've gone through it, and my obstacles, and then sort of everything you both have said about your challenges, you know, I, I'd be lying if I said that I'm, pretty sure at some point this process is going to become so unmanageable that there's going to be very few people who get through it. And it's one of those things where, you know, use it or lose it. And that was sort of the biggest driving force for me was that it's available now. I'm not sure it will be in five years. So let me go ahead and get through it now. So that again, I have another choice for my kids or my kids, kids, or however that fits in. Yeah, I completely agree with that. I, I thought the same thing that, um, I don't know. Um, honestly, I don't know how quickly I'm going to get the citizenship, even though I've been working on this for two years now, but I thought if that is available to me, that is, that's huge. If I can claim citizenship to the country that my great grandparents came from. So I was going to go for it. Um, if, if, if I had the opportunity, um, and then as you were talking, Ben, about the, um, the reasons why, um, why you wanted to be Italian and, and how you agreed with what I had said, 
as you were speaking, I was having um, images of Italy um, run through my head. And another, um, another difference that I noticed of the cultures is how um, the elder members of a family are taken care of within the family in Italy. Um, I noticed that the, the older members of a family are taken care of and they're not sent to like an old folks home as, as regularly as I see happening here. Um, and I think that's such a valuable um, part of a culture. Um, we, in my family, we um, take care of our elder family members in the family, but I like that Italy does that as well. Um, and that it's not as common to send um, the, the grandparents off somewhere when they can't take care of themselves. Um, and I think that also goes into the larger cultural aspects of, of being social in Italy and um, how um, many cities in the country have um, more of a public social life, like going to the corner bar to meet up with friends or um, even just taking mass transportation to get wherever you're, you're going to, you're not just you in your car going somewhere. So you're around people more and it's just more of a, um, of a, of a social um, way of living. And I really like that about Italy as well. Awesome. I think that's, uh, that is an excellent note to end on. Um, Bryn, tell us uh, just briefly about your, your business and where people can find you if they, if they want to get in touch uh, or have questions or, I want to keep up with what you're doing. So the best way to learn about what I do is to go to my website. It's brynelizabeth.co and um, Bryn is spelled B-R-Y-N. Um, and I have my email and social media linked there. But I also realized that um, I've been filtering um, into my, my branding message blog posts about my Italian experience. And I... Um, made a um, dedicated page on my website just for Italy where I put all of my blog posts and my uh, my Italy projects on there. And so to see that that page, if people go to brynelizabeth.co forward slash Italy, um, they can find where I write about my Italian experiences. Fantastic. And we will we'll link your site and uh, social media in the show notes as well. Uh, thanks so much for coming on. I really appreciate the time. It's great to uh, learn a little bit more about your experiences and, uh, you know, hear from someone else who's been through the same process that Ben and I have been through. Um, you know, it's always good to uh, commiserate with others who have who've been through or are going through the process. It's encouraging, um, you know, to hear other people's stories. So thank you so much. And thank you so much for having me on. Um, when I first found this podcast, I was so happy to hear that you guys were doing this because my experience going through this process basically by myself and um, reaching out to others online to help me, there was no um, there was no source that I could go to to hear people talking about their experience as well and as openly as you guys do. So I really appreciate the product that you guys are putting out there for everyone going through this experience. I appreciate it. Um, I know, you know, for Ben and I, that was kind of the, the goal was to get some information out there because for us, at least it was, it was available, but very difficult to find in one place. You had to go through a lot of different forums and Facebook groups and 
things like that. So the goal is to kind of get a lot of that information consolidated into one location. People can listen to it, learn about it, um, and hopefully avoid some of the mistakes that we made uh, when going through the process. So uh, thanks so much. Um, Until next time.